Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including Hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. taking a break from travel for a couple of weeks and uh, try to knock out a couple more chapters over the weekend. So we are back with chapter 39 of Mackey's Revised History of Freemasonry, the Socinians and Freemasonry. While some of the enemies of Freemasonry have pretended that its origin is to be found in the efforts of the Jesuits, who sought to affect certain religious and political objects through the influence of such a society, one foe, at least, has endeavored to trace its first rise to the Socinians, who sprang up as a religious sect in Italy about the middle of the 16th century and gave rise to much discussion. This hypothesis is of so unhistorical a character that it merits only a passing notice in the legendary story of the institution. It was first circulated by the Abbe Lefranc, the superior of the House of the Eudists at Caen, France, in a book published by him in the year 1791, under the title of the Veil Lifted for the Inquisitive, or the Secret of Revolutions Revealed by the Assistance of Freemasonry. This work was thought of so much importance that it was translated during the following year into Italian. Lefranc, as a loyal Roman Catholic official, hating both the Freemasons and the Sicinians, readily seized the idea, or at all events advanced it in this essay, that the former came from the latter, whose origin he assigns to the year 1546. He repeats only to deny all the other theories that have been submitted on the subject, such as that the origin of the institution is to be sought in the fraternities of operative masons of the Middle Ages, or in the assembly held at York under the protection of King Athelstane, or in the builders of King Solomon's Temple, or in the ancient mysteries of Egypt. Each of these theories he refuses to admit is true. On the contrary, Lefranc says the order cannot be traced beyond the famous meeting of the Sicinians held at the city of Vicenza, Italy in the year 1546 by Laelius Socinus, Ocherius Gentilis, and others. These reformers there and then established a sect denying the doctrine of the Trinity. To Faustus Socinus, the nephew of Laelius, he asserts that the real foundation of Freemasonry as a secret and symbolical society is to be credited. This artful and indefatigable sectary, or a tireless bigot as he calls him, having seen the burning of Severchus at Geneva by Calvin for maintaining only a part of the system that he advocated, and finding that both Roman Catholics and Protestants were equally foes to his views, is said to have concealed it under symbols and mysterious ceremonies, accompanied by oaths of secrecy. Lefranc holds that this was done in order that, while this was publicly taught to the people in countries where it was tolerated, it might gradually and safely be brought secretly into other states, where an open confession of it would probably lead its preachers to take the stake for a like death by burning. The spread of this system, he further says, was veiled under the puzzling allegory of building a temple whose extent, in the very words of Freemasonry, was to be in length from the east to the west and in breadth from north to south. The professors of it were therefore furnished so as to carry out the allegory with the various tools used in building, such as the square, the compasses, the level, and the plumb. 
Here it is that the Abbey Lefranc has found the first form and beginning of the Masonic institution as it existed at the time of his writing. So far as we are able to learn, Lefranc is the sole inventor of this theory. Rigolini credits it to three distinct writers, the author of the Voilev, Lefranc, and the Abbey Berulle. But in fact, the first and second of these are identical. Berulle has not made any allusion to it in his History of Jacobinism, he traces the origin of Freemasonry to the Manichaeans and makes a long and learned comparison of the usages and ceremonies of the two to show how much the one is due to the other. Rigolini, commenting on this theory of the Abbe Lefranc, says that all that is true in it is that there was about the middle of the 16th century a learned society of philosophers and literary men at Vicenza who discussed the theological questions then dividing Europe and particularly Germany. The members of this celebrated academy, he says, looked upon all difficulties concerning the mysteries of the Christian religion as points of doctrine belonging simply to the philosophy of the ancient Egyptians, Greeks, and Christians, and having no relation whatsoever to the dogmas of faith. Considering that out of these meetings of the philosophers at Vicenza came a religious sect whose views present a very important change of the Orthodox creed, we may well suppose that Rigolini is as much an error in his comments as Lefranc has been in this text. The society meeting at Vicenza and at Venice sought to conceal its new and heterodox doctrines under a veil of secrecy, but it soon became exposed to the view of the papal court, through whose influence the members were expelled from the Venetian Republic some of them seeking safety in Germany, but most of them in Poland, where their doctrines were not only tolerated, but in time became popular. Flourishing branches were established at Krakow, Lublin, and various other places in Poland and Lithuania. Lelis Sokinus, soon after his followers, went into Poland, then to Zurich, Switzerland, where he died. He was succeeded by Faustus Sokinus, who modified the doctrines of his uncle, and may be considered the real founder of the Socinian sect of Christians. Now, authentic history furnishes some simple facts. In the 16th century, secret societies were not rare in various countries of Europe. In Italy especially, many were to be found. Some of these groups were founded for philosophical studies, some for the pursuit of alchemy, some for theological discussions, and others were of mere social character. All of them, however, shut out the vulgar, the illiterate, or the profane. Thus, there was founded at Florence a club called the Societa Dea Cucciabra, or the Society of the Trowel. The name and the symbols used, the trowel, the hammer, the square, and the level, led both Lenning and Rigolini to believe it was a Masonic association. But the account given of it by Vasari in his Lives of the Painters, Sculptures, and Architects, 1550, shows that it was merely a social club of Florentine artists. He says that it took its existence and its name from the accidental circumstance that certain painters and sculptors dining together once upon a time in a garden discovered not far from their table a heap of mortar in which a trowel was sticking. Owing to a spirit of fun, they began to throw the mortar on each other and to call for the trowel to scrape it off. In the same sport of humor, they resolved to form a society which should annually thereafter dine together, and to mark the laughable event about which inspired their association, they called it the Society of the Trowel, and adopted as emblems certain tools used in bricklaying. Every city in Italy where science was studied had its academy. Many of these, like the Platonic Academy, established at Florence 1540, held their sessions in secret and admitted none but members to take part in their mystical studies. The secret societies of the alchemists abounded in Germany. These spread into France and England. To borrow the language of a modern writer, mystical ideas ran riot. Everything was symbolized and metaphors spread into allegories. 
It is a matter of historical record that in 1546 there was a society of about 40 persons noted for their learning who, in the words of Mosheim, held secret assemblies at different times in the territory of Venice, and particularly at Vicenza, in which they deliberated concerning a general reformation of the received systems of religion, and in a more special manner undertook to refute the peculiar doctrines that were afterwards publicly rejected by the Socinians. Mosheim, rigorous in applying approved tests of criticism to historical questions, says further, Many circumstances and relations sufficiently prove that immediately after the Reformation had taken place in Germany, secret assemblies were held and measures proposed in several provinces that were still under the jurisdiction of Rome, with a view to combat the errors and superstitions of the times. Such was the secret society at Vicenza, to which Lafranc credits the origin of Freemasonry. An assembly of men of advanced thought compelled to hold their meetings in secret because the intolerance of the church and the jealous caution of the state did not allow the free discussion of opinions contrary to the common sentiments of the period. The further attempt to connect the doctrines of Soconus with those of Freemasonry, because, when speaking of the new religion which he was laboring to establish, he compared it to the building of a new temple, in which his disciples were to be diligent workers, is useless. The writing of such expressions is due merely to a figure of speech used in a spirit common to authors of every age. The same metaphor is used repeatedly by St. Paul in his various epistles, and it is probable that from him Soconus borrowed the idea. We find no historical evidence to support the theory that the Socinians founded Freemasonry. At the very time when their leader was establishing the sect whose distinctive feature was its denial of the dogma of the Trinity, the manuscript constitutions of the Freemasons were beginning their legend of the craft, with praise to the might of the Father, the wisdom of the glorious Son, and the goodness of the Holy Ghost, three persons and one God. No two institutions at that very time could have been more unlike. That one was born out of the other is out of the question. So that was a nice short chapter to get back on track with. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week with Chapter 40, Freemasonry in the Essenes. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.